Faye's going to come and lead us around the Lord's table this morning. I just want to, I, I, but I just want to say before she does that these are days of making sure that you're being intentional. You know, the, the old saying is you aim for nothing, you hit nothing. So these are days of being intentional, really intentional. Intentional in your walk with the Lord, intentional in what you do. These are days of being intentional. In fact, for some people, I saw a smoke screen where the enemy was trying to make you think like you couldn't get that breakthrough, you couldn't see that victory, you couldn't see that circumstance change, you just you couldn't encounter his presence, you couldn't feel his love, you wouldn't have that joy, but it is just a smoke screen. And so I just want to encourage you to be intentional as you fix your eyes on him, amen? It's the answer. It really is. Good morning, everyone. I just love the way Holy Spirit just um, is um, just working through different ones. Um, and uh, I just believe that the Word of God also um, just all works in together with what everyone else is saying. I've been, I was listening to uh, Lance Walner. He's a prophetic guy over in America and um, he was giving a prophetic word for 2022. And um, he said, what is needed for this season is humility, unity and a warrior spirit. I believe, yes, it's awesome. I believe also that uh, humility and unity go hand in hand. You know, if you don't have humility, you're not going to have unity either, I don't believe. And the warrior spirit needs to come out of a spirit of the Holy Spirit. I've seen warrior spirits and um, they're not always good. <laughs> but with the Holy Spirit, it's awesome. Um, I was talking to my lovely uh, friend. She's an intercessor. She's 87. And I asked her, I said, what is the Lord saying to you? Now, I asked her also... When she gave me the answer, I said, can I use that today? And she said, by all means. So I was expecting her to say, you know, the Lord is saying something about Australia or the Lord is saying something about Bundaberg. But what the Lord told her, and remember she's 87, clean up the little things. You know, we've heard the ad, you know, from little things, big things grow. Well, that's so true if you're carrying rubbish inside of you, you know, the, the, the hurts, the pains, the um, offence, um, whatever it is, um, jealousy, whatever it is, if you're carrying that, those little things grow bigger. And the Lord was saying to her, and it really touched my heart because it's what he's been speaking to me about for this year as well, is to clean up the little things. It reminded me of the scripture from Solomon's um, 2.15 that says about, it talks about catching the little foxes that eat the vine. It, those little things that come and chew on the roots and, and, and destroys the vine. It, it destroys your peace, it eats away at your peace, it eats away at your joy, it, it eats away at love, love towards others. We need to leave it at the cross. You, stuff that happens, you know, people offend you, people hurt you, people do things, you know, um, we've got to leave it at the cross. 
we've got to leave it at Jesus' feet and remembering what Jesus did for us is where, you know, I've had to do that this week, to go before the Lord and to remember, Jesus, you died for me. You know, this person has hurt us deeply, but, um, but Jesus, you died for me, for my sins. And I thank you, Jesus, and I bless that person. Don't partake or partner with that whatever it is, with that negative stuff. It's so not worth it. If we're wanting to walk in all the things that God has for us, we need to just get back to the cross. Jesus epitomises humility. He epitomises unity. He epitomises that warrior spirit. And, you know, when he said, you know, he humbled himself when he came here to this earth to die for us. And his heart was for unity, he said. He said that they may all be one as you, Father, as one with, with, with me. So as we take these emblems, we take them in remem remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross for us. The bread that, that heals us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We take the cup that his blood shed for us, that our sins may be, may be forgiven. They are forgiven. But there is also, the Lord said, that, um, that as we forgive others, our sins are forgiven. So, it, so we just um, thank you, Jesus. So as we go forth, I just want to read before, before we go to the four, em, four corners of the um, room to take the emblems, I just want to read from another prophetic word that we actually had last week and it's um, part of and it talks about the year of healing with heart issues, dealing with heart issues. So where the enemy has attacked the heart in various ways, the Lord is highlighting healing. So this prophetic word came from Tim and he shared this last week. For all the above to fully manifest in the fullness of God's desire, the orphan spirit operating out of pride or rejection must go. This land has seen too much solo Christianity as well as individuals operating out of an independent spirit. People have discarded the biblical truths of submission and accountability to one another, but the Lord is restoring this to those who have a heart after him, who allow him to bring forth a humble heart I hear him saying, all heart issues need to be dealt with now. They cannot be carried any further as you go forward. To aid this, the Father is pouring forth a fresh revelation of his heart and love to heal. More and more people will encounter his heart. It is time for clean hands and a pure heart. A pure heart is an emphasis this year. That is a heart that does not hold offence, bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, rejection, etc. But is instead like clay in the hands of the master potter, soft and pliable. So Lord, I just thank you, Father God. Lord, we surrender all to you as we partake of this, um, this, this communion, Father God, together. We commune with you 
Jesus and Holy Spirit and Father God and say thank you so much, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us. We thank you and we surrender all to you. Release us, Father God, from any, anything, Father God, that would hinder us from flowing in your love. In your love, Jesus, we want to be so full of your love and your spirit, Father God, that, Lord, we will impact this world with your love. Jesus, we thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way in us and we surrender all and we give you thanks and glory and honour in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. That is full of life and power in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the Rima word. We want to thank you for the spirit word. God, we want to thank you that your word comes together with your spirit to move in our hearts. So, Lord, we just submit ourselves to you today that you would move in our hearts, that we would have that position of worship and surrender before you, that you would have your way in us, that you would speak to us corporately, that you would speak to us individually. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So when I get the opportunity over the next, um, the next uh, month or so, um, I'm just going to unpack a couple of other areas of the prophetic word because there was so much last Sunday that we really only just kind of skimmed through the word to get to the other end. Otherwise, we would have been here till 2 o'clock because as it was, I didn't leave till 1.30, so it probably would have been 2 for me. Oh, yeah, okay. So anyway... So we're just going to look a little bit more at the family of God and discipleship areas this morning. As I said, if you didn't get a copy of the Word, there are some paper copies down the back for you to take because it is three pages, uh, three pages long. But I want to say this morning as we start this morning that I was talking about being intentional before, but now is also a critical time. Prayer, you know, the Lord was speaking to me even last, uh, last night that prayer and worship are vital. Right now, prayer and worship are vital. In your homes, as a fellowship, in your, in your own life, prayer and worship are vital. Because prayer and worship positions you. It, it, prayer and worship position you, depending upon God, looking to God, trusting Him. But it positions your heart to be still and know that He is God in the midst of the turbulence. Amen. Prayer and worship. We see right throughout Scripture that prayer and worship were preludes to breakthrough. It wasn't trying to manage something. It wasn't trying to make something happen. It wasn't trying to do something in your own strength, but it was prayer and worship. Prayer and worship are the fuel for God to move. Amen? And right across this nation of Australia, God is, God is still calling His people back to a place of prayer and worship. Because there's so many Christians today that still do not really, you know, walk out a life of prayer. Because prayer is not just, Lord, I thank you for this day. I speak a blessing on my family and I go to work and I come home again. No, 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 that's, that's not prayer. Prayer is a vital relationship with the Lord. It is constant communication where you are, where, where you are communing, where you are fellowshipping with the Lord. And yes, there are times when you pray specifically. Yes, there are times when you pray into stuff. Yes, yes, there are times when we gather together. But your life is meant to be a life of prayer. One of my heroes in Scripture is Enoch because Enoch was, was, was one of two people that didn't die as we know death. But God took Enoch. How awesome would that be to be just living in such a relationship with God that God just took you? 
That is pretty cool. So my heart, you know, that's, that's the essence of my heart is, God, I want to know you more. Oh, I want to walk with you more in that way, the way that Enoch walked with you. Because it said that Enoch walked with God and pleased God. And so God took him. But we also have to be intentional. Because if we're not intentional, we just drift. If you're, if you're out in the ocean and the winds are blowing, and how many know that there's winds blowing across our nation right now? I'm not just talking natural winds, I'm talking spiritual winds. There are winds that are blowing across our nation. And if you do not know where you are going, then the winds will just carry you wherever the winds will carry you. Put yourself out in the ocean, you know. If you haven't got the sail up and you don't have a destination in sight, the winds and the current will just take you and you'll just land up wherever they take you, yep. That is what happens spiritually when you just walk aimlessly. You just get carried wherever. And it's time for us to be intentional that we don't just drift because God is looking to show himself strong on behalf of his people, but he's looking for people that will say, here I am, God. One of the words that I've been getting over the past couple of weeks as I've been praying is the word advance, and that's why I termed that group advance, because God is actually saying that we are in a season to advance. It is not looking at circumstances and retreating, but it's actually looking at circumstances and advancing, because the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay a hold of it. Who is with me? Who wants to advance? That's why we've started the business, the cleaning business and stuff. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're out there feeding the homeless. That's why we're doing this stuff. Because now is not a time to retreat. Now is a time to advance. And God is looking for men and women of faith who will advance. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a household of, household of faith that says, God, we believe you at your word and we're going to advance. In Luke Chapter 19, verse 13. I'm just setting a bit of a foundation. Luke 19, 13. It's in the parable of the ten minus, which is about 100 days wage. Yeah, just, you, just you imagine getting 100 days, days wage, just like that. Popped in your hand. There it is. There's your wage. I'm not going to get into the whole parable because that's not where we're heading today. But he called in. He called 10 of his servants in and he gave them 10 minuses, about 100 days wages. And he told them, engage in business until I come back. And that word engage, that Greek word for engage can also mean occupy. So engage in business, occupy, do something with it. This is yours. What are you going to do with it? And the Lord is saying that to his people today. I want you to occupy. And to occupy something, we actually need to take it, don't we? I've used this analogy before, that if there's a, there's a spare house in Bundaberg that no one is living in, and I don't think we have a spare house in Bundaberg that no one is living in at the moment, but if there was a spare house in Bundaberg that no one was living in and no one looked after it, squatters come in. And they live there illegally. And the enemy has taken hold of some things in our nation because the church hasn't occupied it. That's why we have to advance. So the enemy has no room. Amen? So I want to encourage you to engage in business until he comes.
I want to encourage you to occupy until he comes. Amen? So to do this, to advance, to do this fruitfully and importantly sustainably, because you know what? Many things start but don't finish because they're not sustainable. We see that in a vision. We see that in things of life, that, if you, that many people start something, but they don't finish it. Is that true? Because it's not sustainable. And that's why we're always careful what we start in terms of programs and things that we do, because it has to be sustainable. Because the last thing I want is to see people burnt out because they're, because they're working hard at both ends. That is not what we want. So everything has to be sustainable. So the only way that advancing can be sustainable is if we do it as family and we return to what true discipleship really is. Because each one of us is needed, amen? Each one of us is needed. So this morning I just want to talk about family first and then we're going to talk about discipleship. I want you to understand this. Remember a few weeks ago I preached on Romans 13 about leadership or governmental leaders, and I spoke about spiritual leaders, and I spoke about um, even leadership in the home, the measure is always Christ. Amen? The measure is always Christ. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul did not say, follow me regardless. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So that is, if you see me following Christ, then you follow me. I want to be that person, you know, and that's my heart too. I want to follow Christ and I want you to come, not because of me, but because you see he's following Christ. Amen? So Christ is always the measure. So when we open up Scripture to John and we read one of my favourite verses that I refer to a lot in John 13... We read in 34 and 35, this is Jesus speaking and he says, A new command that I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. You see, there it is again. He is the measure. What is the measure? Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. He's not telling you to do something that is impossible. He's saying, do what I have been doing. And he gave us of his spirit to make sure that we could do it. Because we're not living out of our own resources, we're living out of the resources of heaven, amen? This is the problem. Too many people try to live out of their own resources and they try to love people out of their own resources where it doesn't happen rather than out of the resources of heaven. Love one another as I've loved you. Scripture says we love because Christ first loved us, amen? And we probably need to understand that there is a difference between like and love because like is probably more of a feeling. I like Trish and Bruce. It's kind of more of a feeling. You know, you get that feeling and you're like, I really like those guys. But you know what? Love is a choice. Even when someone grates you the other way and you go, oh, love is actually a choice. It's not a feeling. I love them as well. She was waiting for that. She was like, But love is a choice, Amen. Love is a verb. Love is an action. So he says, love one another as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? Well, the obvious one is that he's died for us. But think about, he was talking to the disciples. Think about how he, how he walked with his disciples. He was sacrificial. He was constantly giving of himself. Amen? 
He, he provided them so many examples of healing and prayer and all this stuff. He set an example for the disciples to follow. Amen? It was never about him. Never, ever was it about Jesus. Never did he make it about himself. It was always about his father getting the glory and and it was always about him pouring out into other people because he knew that he wasn't going to be there for a long time. So he gave of himself. He was selfless. He was humble. He was sacrificial. He gave of himself and then in that same way, he says, love one another as I loved you. And I don't know about you, but there's a challenge right there. Is that true? We always need to keep coming back and go, wow, in this moment, am I loving? In this moment, am I moving in the agape, the unconditional, sacrificial, pursuing love of God? Do we understand that's part of agape love? It's not just unconditional and it's not just sacrificial, but it's actually pursuing. God pursues us. His love pursues us. Amen? I've heard people say, in the past, I've heard people say in the past, you know, oh, but that was, you know, like pre, that was pre the cross, so that doesn't count. I'm like, it counts. Because all throughout the New Testament, after the death and resurrection of Christ, you see every writer talking about love. In fact, John refers to it again. The, the disciple that Jesus loved, the one that led his, lent his head on his breast. He refers to it in this way. He says in 1 John 3, he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's love. Yeah. If anyone sees, and how, how? If anyone sees the wor- Sorry, if anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does the love of God reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. You see, it's really easy to, to say to someone, Steve, I love you, brother. Love you, man. And just go your separate way. But what, what is his need right now? His need right now is for income. I'm sorry, I'm just using, this has just come off the top of my head. The need that he has now is income. What is his skills? He's got 30 years skills as a cleaner. He's got a certificate three in asset maintenance. He's got stuff. So we actually make a way for him to, to actually start to earn an income. That is love. It's not just love your man, I'm going to pray for you in your situation. But, to, but if we actually have an opportunity to make a way where there is no way, then we do that. Amen? That's what love is. It's not just saying I love you and walking away. That's not what we see in Scripture. But love is, you know what? I'm actually going to get, us, get alongside of you and I'm actually going to help you. Is there an Amen. I was reading in 1 John, and I came across these verses. They're actually part of the word I, I gave last week. 
And it's in 1 John 2 verse 7. It says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you had from the beginning. The old command is the word that you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command which is true and is in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light has already shining. Verse 9, this is it. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or his sister is in the darkness. And we know the word for hate doesn't mean hate as in we think of hate, but it is I do not love. It's loved less. There's less love. There's no love. I don't actually love you. The one who loves, sorry, the one who says he's in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness. But the one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light for there is no cause for stumbling in him. So it comes back back, back to a heart thing, doesn't it? What is our heart? There is no stumbling. The enemy wants to try and keep you in darkness because what happens when you're in darkness? You can't see. And what happens? You stumble. You run into something. The enemy wants to keep you in darkness. And that's why Paul said, put on the armour of light. Put on the armour of light. What he's saying is in relationship, put on the armour of light. Let no room for darkness happen between your relationship. But put on the armour of light because where there's light, the enemy cannot operate. But where there is darkness, where there is unforgiveness, where there is secrecy, where there's misunderstandings that haven't been cleared up, there is darkness and the enemy can attack and use that. Is there an amen? But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness. They walk in the darkness and they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded their eyes. Wow. You know your vision is corrupted if you're not walking in love. Your vision is corrupted if you're not walking in love. That's tough. That's why God is saying that we can't take anything with us forward. Issues from the past. We have to have clean hands and a pure heart. Amen. I could get into Acts chapter 2 today, but we're not going to get into Acts chapter 2 today. But read it again. At the start of the year, I read the book of Proverbs. A chapter a day keeps the enemy away there's 31 chapters in proverbs and there's 31 days in january it is a great opportunity to get back into the wisdom that is in scripture and it's nicer than an apple well yeah well it is nicer than an apple but i do like apples but yeah it is but i always like to get back into the book of acts and remind myself of how the church in its purest form actually operated. Because you know what happens when something is first conceived, it's in its purest. It hasn't had had a chance for corruption. When the Holy Spirit was poured out and there was 3,000 added to the church that day and the love of God was being poured out, it was in its purest form. And it's always good to go back to Acts chapter 2 and go, wow, look at that. Look at the way they loved each other. And the only way that it is sustainable is by each one of us. You know, the best form of pastoral care is not to employ another pastor. It's true. The best form of pastoral care is you. That you look out for each other. And if someone's missing or, 
Or if you hear that someone's not traveling very well, you are the best form of pastoral care. You see, the model of church has to be broken because the model of church is, I'll leave it to the pastor or I'll leave it to the pastoral care visitation person or I'll leave it to the care ministry team. I'll leave it to them. And then people wonder why they don't get visited or they don't get called or they don't get help when they need help. Exactly. Do you know the pastor burnout rate across the world is like stupidly high? Do you know there are more pastors in Australia over the last two years that, that, that are leaving their calling than ever before? You are the best answer to pastoral care. My heart, would, my heart, if I could put my heart out there, is that every person would be involved in a home group. Not one person would not be in a home group because that is where you're going to get your TLC. It's true. Now the discipleship part. Because the reality is that we see in when the Lord appeared to Moses, what did he say to Moses? He said, what's in your hand? And I was thinking about the feeding of the 5,000 the other day as well. You know, what's in your hand? Oh, I've just got, you know, a couple of loaves, you know, I've just got some fish, you know. I'm just like, what's in your hand? Because you can look at the crowd of 5,000 and you can look at the fish and the loaves and go, well, that is not going to feed anything, so you tend not to do anything with it. Is that true? You look at the, the situation is always bigger than you can handle. And the reason is because, because God wants to get the glory. That he, that he wants us to trust him. He wants us to depend upon him. So he puts us in a situation that we can't handle. So there was a feeding of 5,000 plus men and women. Uh, sorry, women and children. And there was no way that that, that, that was ever going to happen. There was no way. So what, what you tend to do is put it in your pocket. Because you go, well, it wouldn't be right if I only fed a few, few people and the rest went starving, so I tend not to do anything. And sometimes we're in a situation that's bigger than what we can handle and we go, well, I, I just won't do that. What would happen if 100 people came to you and said, I need prayer, will you pray for me? What would you do? You know, sometimes you look at a situation and go, well, I don't even know what I'd pray for these 100 people, so I won't start. Is that a fair comment? But what about, you know, God is saying, well, just pray for the first one. And you get a word. And then pray for the second one. And you pray for the third one. And you pray for the fourth one. And by the time, you know, you've got to a hundred. What's in your hand? What gifts? What anointing? What grace? What has God given you that you're not putting to use? Because it is time for the body of Christ to begin to minister each and every one. And you've all got something in your hand. God has put something in your hand. And as I said last week, if you see something that's wrong, then you're probably the answer to that. If something is missing, then you're probably the answer. You're probably part of the jigsaw piece that needs to come in and step into that space because you're the one that it's being highlighted to. We have, to, we have to strip back the biblical model where we come to church and where we get a bit of a feed, maybe. We like stuff. We don't like stuff. We rely upon other people and we have to get back to the biblical discipleship model where it says we're in it together. So my question is this.
are you listening to? Well, hopefully you're listening to me right now. But who are you listening to? Which voice are you listening to? I'm just going to take you on a bit of a journey for a couple of minutes before we finish. Is that okay? Because the enemy has power, but you have authority. Now, we read that in Luke chapter, just as an example, but there are, but there are other scriptures. But in Luke chapter 10, when the 72 went out, and they healed the sick, and they cast out demons, and they did what they did, and they returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. The Lord said this to them. He said, I watched Satan fall like from heaven like lightning. And look, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and to overcome all the power of the enemy. There are two different words there. There are two different Greek words. One is exersia and the other is dunamis. So the enemy has power, but you have authority. But the thing is this. So what that means is that the enemy only has authority where you give him authority. Because you have authority. So who are you listening to? When the enemy says, you can't do that. Do you see what I'm getting at? You have authority. But if you choose to default and the enemy says to you, you can't do that. You can't pray for that person. You can't see that healing. You can't see that miracle. You, you can't prophesy. You can't share your faith. You can't share your testimony. You can't. You can't. If you default from that, then you've given him authority. This is why we need the Word of God. We need to get into the Word of God. And we need, and we need to start to realize that I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. And I have all authority. Jesus, well, sorry, Jesus has all authority and he's given it to us to go and make disciples of nations. To heal the sick, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse out lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. He's given us authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. I'm challenging myself right now because I had a prophetic word three years ago that I still haven't partnered with God and I've been on my face this week saying, God, I want to walk in that word to glorify your name. So who are you listening to? Because if, you're, because if you're listening to the enemy, you're giving him the authority that he never has. Paul put it this way when we're talking about spiritual warfare. He put it this way in 2 Corinthians 10. He said, although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are powerful through God for the, demolish, for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The main spiritual warfare happens in here. Who are you listening to? Who, who are you believing? Are you believing God or are you believing the enemy? 
The real world warfare happens in here. And Paul is saying, we demolish every argument. We, we uh, demolish every proud thought that seeks to exalt itself against Christ. And we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. So when Christ says, I, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, his grace is sufficient for you. When Christ says, you can do all things through, through me, you can do all things through him. When Christ said, I have loved you, you are loved. When Christ says you are accepted, you know, we could just go on and on. So what Paul's saying is here, we, we, we actually give no oxygen to any thought that is not of Christ. What happens when you don't give any oxygen to something? It dies. That is what Paul is saying. We are not giving any oxygen to these thoughts that are not of Christ. We are dismissing them. We are taking them captive. We are giving them no oxygen. They have no room in my thinking because I don't want to live in stinking thinking. But I want to call upon the resource of heaven and I want to align my thoughts with what God says because that is where we are seated. We are seated in heavenly places. But the problem is with the church in Australia is that too many people are still living out of their own resources rather than out of the resources of heaven. So the last thing I want to share, I'm sorry I'm getting late. Oh, she. I want to finish with this. I know it's a parable you've probably heard hundreds of times, maybe some of you, but do you ever realize you can read the same passage and see something different? You can read the same passage again and again and you see something different? I just want to take you back as we finish to the parable of the sower. I want to, I want to re reiterate this morning as we close with this, that, you know, as I said last week, it takes family to reach, fam uh, reach family. That God is looking for family to actually reach families. That is part of being sustainable. You know, because our nation needs to see the manifestation of family. You know, the percentage of divorces, the percentage of broken homes is skyrocketing. Even through this last two years, with everything that's been happening and the stresses and the anxiety, there, there are more separations, there are more divorces, there are more suicides, there are more things than ever before. And the answer is us, family. To show the nation what family actually looks like. And so discipleship fits into family because we're all a part of the family and we all have a part to play. Amen? We're all part of the family, and we all have a part to play. So, the parable of the sower, you, you probably know this really well. On that day, Jesus went out to the house and was sitting by the sea, and large uh, crowds were following him. Maybe I should just give up on my bit of paper there. I should do what Nick does and go like this. Except my bowl's a bit too thick because I've got large print. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit older, I think. When you, when you go from normal print to large print, you go, oh, anyway. He, no, giant print. No, I cut that off in Jesus' name. Then, he's, <laughs> then he told them many things in parables. And he said, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds of the air came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky grounds, just remember these, where it did not have much soil. It grew up quickly since the soil wasn't, um, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. 
But when the sun came up, it was scorched because it had no root and it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced a fruit, some hundredfold, uh, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, or a hundredfold. Let him who has ears, let him hear. So then Jesus unpacks it, and he says, So this is the explanation of the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Amen? You see, so the Word of God says to receive. And you've heard me say before that the word receive, well, one of the main words in Scripture about receiving is that you take it in and it becomes part of you. So when you receive a prophetic word, you don't go, oh, gee, that was really nice, thanks for that. But you actually take it into you and it actually becomes a part of you. When you receive a prophet, when you receive a righteous man, when you receive someone, you receive them into your heart. Amen. That is the safe place to be in your heart. I was listening to a great message this week by Bill Johnson and he said the safest place for a prophetic word is in your heart, not just out there in the atmosphere. You guard it and you keep it. Because if you just leave it out there, the enemy comes and snatches it and takes it away. So I'm not just talking about the, the word of the kingdom here. I'm talking about when God speaks to you. When God speaks to you, do you listen? Do you, or do you just discard it? Because if you discard it, the enemy will just come and snatch it. But if you listen to what God is saying to you, you're starting to receive it. Amen? Are you with me? The one sign on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So sometimes we hear God say something to us and we're like, yeah! There's a joy, there's a quickening. We go, yeah! But then the enemy comes and distracts you because the root doesn't go down. You don't give it a chance to go down and down and find good soil. You get distracted. If the enemy can't snatch it, He'll try and distract it. And I feel that that's, that's a word for a lot of us at times. That the enemy will come and try and distract us from what, the, what God is saying. Yeah? We have to be careful that we don't just get distracted. Number three was when the, when the, when the word was sown among the thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the, and, the, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. If the enemy can't snatch the word or the enemy can't distract you from the word, then he will come and sow something right next to the word. So when, when the Lord has spoken to us over the years and he says, you know, when he said to us, I want you to leave your job and I want you to do this, you go, awesome, let's do that. And then you start getting all these thoughts. But how are we going to survive? Where's the money going to come from? Where's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? Are you with me? You hear from a word from the Lord and you go to step into something and then all of a sudden all these other thoughts start coming in. These are the thorns that the enemy's trying to choke the word and make it unfruitful so you don't actually partner with God. And then, of course, finally is the one that produces a crop 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. That is the one who receives the Word, who values the Word, who trusts God with the Word, and who partners with God.
and the enemy has no access. You have given him no authority. That is God's heart for us. I believe collectively. Not just individually, God's heart for you, but I believe it's God's heart for us. That we would hear his word, that we would position ourselves, that we would respond and we would give the enemy no access. That's why we have to have clean hands and a pure heart. Because sticky tape will attract things to it. Probably a magnet, magnet is, is a better visualisation. It will attract things and they will stick. If you've got something that's undealt with from the past and something else happens in the present, it will come and it will find it. The most... that. The person most easily offended is the one who is still carrying an offence. Does that make sense? The one who is most easily offended is the one that is carrying an offence. From 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whenever. The one who is most easily offended is the one who is still carrying offence. So everything that the Lord has been saying today, and musicians, if you want to come forward, that would be great. is that to be family, we need to have clean hands and a pure heart. God is calling us to go beyond. Go beyond what we've done in the past. God is calling us to go beyond what we've done in the past. God is calling us to love the way that He loves. Amen? And to do that, this is not just a, you know, Tim thing. To do that, we need every one of you. Because you are the best pastoral care team. You are the best outreach team. You are the best prayer team. You know what I'm getting at? Each one of you. Each and every one of you. So let's stand and pray. Don't forget four o'clock. Nielsen's Park, baptisms, food. Lord, I want to thank you for each and every person that is here today. I want to thank you that you called them. They responded to your call. I want to thank you that you put your spirit in them, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I want to thank you that you've anointed them. I want to thank you that you've graced them. And I want to thank you by your spirit because your word says that you have poured out your love into our hearts by your spirit. So Lord, we just pray today that there would be an unveiling of that love, an unveiling of that anointing an unveiling of their grace, an unveiling of gifts, and where the enemy has tried to speak things into people's hearts and lives over the years, that every lie of the enemy would be uprooted in Jesus' name. God, I want to thank you that your anointing is strong in each one, that your grace is sufficient in each one, that you have plans to prosper them, to not to harm them, but to give them a hope and a future. And where the enemy would be saying anything else, we silence the voices of the enemy. We want to thank you that you are the head of the army, Jesus. And you are calling your army to arise in this nation at such a time as this. I want to thank you that your army is full of men and women and children, young and old. I want to thank you, God, that this is the time to advance.
So, Lord, we ask that you would help us to love the way that you love. And you would help us to walk the way that you walked. And those gifts that are on the shelf that have been gathering dust, the Lord says, pick them up. And let my spirit blow the dust away. And begin to sing where you used to sing. Begin to prophesy where you used to prophesy. Begin to give where you used to give. Begin to teach where you used to teach. Begin to share where you used to share. Begin to go where you used to go because now is the time of the second wind. Fresh wind. And we know that the glory of the latter is always greater than the glory of the former. God doesn't just restore things to to the way they used to be, but He always makes them better. Always makes them 